Hello and welcome to the She Reads Truth Podcast, where we open our Bibles and talk about the beauty, goodness, and truth we find there. I'm your host, Rachel Myers. And I'm your other host, Amanda Bible Williams. And today, friends, today, our special guest, Rachel, guess who it is? It's the Word of God. It's the Word of God. It's (laughs) It's Ezekiel himself. That's right. It's just the two of us today, y'all. And we are excited to be in the fifth week of our Lent series, where we are reading through the book of Ezekiel. And then, of course, the last week, the seventh week, will be Holy Week. And we will read from the Gospels the events of Holy Week as we make our way not only to the cross of Jesus, but to Holy Saturday and to Resurrection Sunday. That's right. And to the empty tomb. And so Ezekiel, Rachel, don't you think Ezekiel has been a faithful companion? What a guy. What Um, a guy. Truly. (laughs) I I continue to forget until I remember that he Mm -hmm. was like our age. Like that's being generous to us to be clear. Yes, he's younger. He was exiled at age twenty five. Yeah. yeah. Exiled at 25, called to be a prophet instead of a priest at 30, mm-hmm. lost his wife in yeah. a sign act at 35, just like a guy our age. I always yeah. want to think of him as like bald Elijah or like Beardy right. Moses. Beardy Moses. Right. Beardy yeah. Moses. <laughs> My favorite Moses is Beardy mm-hmm. Moses. Yeah. I mean, and he is, you know, this book, it never fails to blow my mind that the books of the Bible that we tend to hold at arm's length, because we're like, whoa, right. that is a prophet, it's an Old Testament book, it's long. We yes. know, you know, even if you haven't read it, if you're familiar with the Bible, you probably have gotten the vibe that like, it's a little bit dark and heavy. and mm-hmm. Or you've at least just, entertained your friends with the like, that vision in chapter one of all the wheels and the wheels within wheels right. and all the yeah. the crazy visions. Like, that's right. always an entertaining To read. which the punchline is, what is this? This is, right. yeah. Like, this is crazy. And so, but it's not crazy. It's God's Word. And yeah. it never fails that when we open His Word together as a community and individually, but right now we're talking about opening God's Word together, right? Because that's what we do, women in the Word of God every day. And there's something so cool about doing that because the Lord teaches us not only through His Word, by way of the Holy Spirit um, who dwells in us, but also in His Word that's living and active, but also through each other. And by like talking about his word and asking each other questions and wondering about things together. We've done a lot of wondering, right, in the book of Ezekiel. But even then, he reveals himself to us and teaches us about himself. That's right. That's right. So we're entering our second to last week of the book. And I know that it's weird to measure books of the Bible by weeks, but that's just kind of the way we divide them up as a community and how we schedule Mm -hmm. out that planning. But Amanda, would you say, here's what I know just because I know you, this is not your first read through Ezekiel, not just because you're a woman who loves God's Word and reads it, but even just like in this go around for the community, I know that you read Ezekiel like a year ago, in preparation for like building this plan, but now you're coming back through it yeah. right now for Lent. Yeah. In my case, I did not read it a year ago as the team was That's building right, yeah. it. So this is my first like She Reads Truth type read through mm-hmm. of the book of Ezekiel. 
What's it been like this time for you? Like, is there anything that surprised you? Yeah. I don't know that this surprises me, but I think it underscores for me how important it is that we keep reading, even if we don't understand everything that we're reading. Yeah, that's um, good. It matters that we read full books of the Bible. That's not the only way to read the Bible. It is good and appropriate to meditate on Scripture and to dig in. And, you know, you can have a verse of Scripture that just continues to minister to your heart day after day after day, right? But it is reiterated to me how important it is that we keep reading because I understood very little of Ezekiel yeah. the first time through. And and even, um, you know, you sort of start that that excavation where like one of the things I did, especially because of the nature of this book was I re- and we've talked about this already, but mm-hmm. I um, watched the Bible project videos because it was so yeah. helpful to me to have that visual, you know, how they'll, they'll give you a verbal summary, but then they also kind of sketch it out. And so it's sort of the best, if you're auditory or visual, you get both learning styles. And so, and so I think you start that kind of digging in of like, just trying to have any of the dots connect. Like you feel like you walk into a dark room and you're just looking for like handholds, little flickers of light that you can, that seem clear. Um, And so upon reading this again through this time, I am amazed, not, I don't want to phrase this at how much more I understand because it sounds like I'm amazed at myself. That's not it at all. I'm (laughs) amazed, (laughs) clearly. Um, Mm -hmm. I am amazed at how, how much God is in the details of the story Mm. and how when you've given yourself the permission to read through and not catch all the details or understand everything, you can read through it again. And even though that first read may have been kind of a cursory read, the second read is it has to build on it and it just automatically does. And so you start to see things that you didn't see the first time, which with a book like Ezekiel is not hard to do (laughs) to find things that you haven't seen. But yeah, just that the beauty of the process of reading scripture to know God has surprised me again with the book of Ezekiel, that even in a book like this, that I still, if I'm being completely honest, I feel like if I'm going to grade my knowledge of Ezekiel on a scale of one to 10, I've graduated from like a zero to like a (laughs) 1.5. Like, I don't know. Like, there's still so much to learn. But anyway. The thing about, like, I feel like just like pulling back the curtain, even to share with the community, like, this is Mm -hmm. my first go round as like in the sheer truth style of, of reading this book of the Bible. I think that like part of that is because I want to experience it with y'all in a way, mm-hmm. like in a like fresh life. Like we need Amanda to do the work that she does. And sometimes I do that too with this book for a couple of reasons. This is where I am. Like I'm kind of coming at this fresh alongside mm-hmm. the community, which I think is a fun perspective I'll say that I've been really surprised. I expected it to be more of a slog than it is. And ah. I, like, truly, I just felt like, oh, my word, like, six weeks of this book that will probably be really monotonous. And I've been really surprised by how not monotonous it's been. Like, it feels like every week there, like, there are, like, touch points and things to, like, grab onto and to not make all the weeks string together or blur yeah. together. I've enjoyed Ezekiel significantly more than I expected to. Can you believe it? I'll just say it. it. I'll say (laughs) it. Yeah. And it doesn't mean, Ray, when you say that, I don't hear 
you saying there are parts of Ezekiel that are very difficult, not just to understand, but even just to read and visualize. Like there's some very disturbing imagery. But, you know, I think it was you who put it this way to me when we were just first, the two of us kind of talking in preparation to begin the podcast series a few weeks ago, that the word is offensive. Like there are some things that are offensive to me as Amanda Williams in 2022, reading from Tennessee, located in North America. Do you know what I mean? Like, it's very, I'm deeply like disturbed and offended by some of this imagery. And I think it was you that said, imagine what God, (laughs) how (laughs) offensive it is to God. Like, I'm not the one who's holy in my very essence. That's God. And so for him to you know, we've talked a lot on this podcast about how that we serve a God who does not turn a blind eye to our suffering and to the brokenness of the world and to the darkness that is really evident around us, but that He enters into that. Yeah. Um, and Jesus, you know, did that in the utmost way possible. It feels to me, it's good for me to remember how offensive sin is to God. And it also encourages my heart. It convicts me, but also encourages my heart to know that He is offended by the darkness. And that He is, that that goes against who He is, all of that darkness and sin. I was talking to Kelly Minter last week about this, yeah. and she. So we last week read about Ezekiel's wife dying as a sign act, which is just like the like. It Awful. takes place in the like actual darkest, 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 darkest moment in Israel's history, and so it stands to reason that such a like a dark, dark, dark event is used to you know communicate with Mm -hmm. the people of Israel. Mm -hmm. But what we talked about last week is that the sign act of Ezekiel's wife dying and him not being able to shed a tear, like he could not grieve, he needed to keep going. It was Because that's what the Lord told him to do. Right? It feels impossible, but what we were learning was that God was saying, like, I'm going to lose the delight, like the thing that delights me, Mm. and I'm Mm -hmm. sad. And Kelly was just talking about, she was like, I think that I forget that my sin hurts God. Like, I think about the fact that my sin hurts me, Me. and like there are consequences for my sin for me or for Mm -hmm. other people, Mm -hmm. but somehow we forget that our sin hurts God, and it pains Him, and it causes Him actual grief. Mm-hmm. And so when as he loses the delight of his heart, yeah. I think that that's one thing that I've maybe a clear picture of who God is that I've learned from reading the book of Ezekiel. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's so good. And you know what? I I think Rachel as we connect the dots between the season of Lent and the book of Ezekiel, that is part of in my mind and my heart the purpose of Lent is that if I have forgotten or no longer have a clear picture of how my sin saddens God, then it is time. It's time to stop and think about that for a little bit (laughs) or Mm -hmm. a long bit, you know? Yeah. And I think that's part of what we're doing. And we're in week five of reading this book, and we are just now about to cross over into 
the part that we've been like waiting for, right? The, That's right. The yeah. part of the book that is about the turning um, point. Israel's promised restoration, where the hope is not just a thread that we'll see, but hope is the the summary of what's happened, you know, of these last That's several good. chapters. Yeah. Yeah, so for those who have been listening since since week one of this Lent series, we spent a great number of chapters looking at, you know, sort of God's judgment on Judah, and then the attention turns, and then it was God's judgment on kind of the surrounding nations, and now we're in this new section actually starting today on day 29, where it's sort of this message of hope. And it begins with sort of a hearkening back to chapter three, this idea of Ezekiel as a watchman. And y'all, y'all who listened to episode one or read with us in week one, you know what that imagery was, but I'm going to read it now from Ezekiel, or Amanda, maybe you can read it for us. Now from Ezekiel chapter 33, let's look at what we remember here. And then I think maybe ask the question, why are we reading this again on the back end of all of these issues of judgment? Okay, yeah, let's read some of this. I'm going to read from Ezekiel chapter 33, and I'm just going to sort of pick some excerpts to read. I'm going to start in verse 1. The word of the Lord came to me, Son of man, speak to your people and tell them, Suppose I bring the sword against a land, and the people of that land select a man from among them, appointing him as their watchman. And then it goes on to describe this sort of responsibility that he has, right? And That's the right. responsibility yeah. that the people have who are listening to him. Mm-hmm. I'm going to fast forward to verse 7. As for you, son of man, I have made you a watchman for the house of Israel. When you hear a word from my mouth, give them a warning from me. If I say to the wicked, wicked one, you will surely die. But you do not speak out to warn him about his way. That wicked person will die for his iniquity, yet I will hold you responsible for his blood. But if you warn a wicked person to turn from his way and he doesn't turn from it, he will die for his iniquity, but you will have rescued yourself. Yeah, it's super similar to what we read before. It's that concept of like a lighthouse, right? Where like if you turn yeah. on the light and the ship sees the light and steers away and doesn't crash into the cliff, that ship has been saved. But if you turn on the light and the ship still crashes into the uh, into the cliff, that's on the yeah. ship. That's but right. if you don't turn on the light and the ship crashes into the cliff, that's on you. So it's that watchman motif that we're seeing. Now, it's interesting that we saw it in chapter 3, but we're now seeing it again in chapter 33 because this time around— 30 chapters later. 30 chapters later. (laughs) This time around, it's really instead God going, Ezekiel has been faithful. And also kind of saying the responsibility now is on Israel. So Ezekiel, you have been a watchman. And we see even going into you know verses 10 and 11, Now as for you, son of man, say to the house of Israel, you have said this, our transgressions and our sin are heavy on us, and we are wasting away because of them. How then can we survive? Tell them, as I live, this is the declaration of the Lord. I take no pleasure in the death of the wicked, but rather that the wicked person should turn from his way and live. Repent. Repent of your evil ways. Why will you die, house of Israel? Oh, I mean, just the urgency and the mm-hmm. earnestness. Like, it's so—I wish that we could hear that, you know? I like, know. Oh, yeah. hear it. Yeah. 
Or do I? Or do I? Because <laughs> is yeah, it, it, would the intensity be such, you know, that, I mean, yeah. and this is Lent. This is Lent. Yeah. To, this is Lent. To, That's you know, right. our transgressions and our sins are heavy on us, and we are wasting away because of them. How can we survive? It's where we remember, Lent is the season where we remember that apart from the work of Jesus, mm-hmm. that is our condition. Yeah. That we are wasting away and we cannot survive. And yeah. it's not just about heaven or hell. Like, this is about our right now life. Like, our sin has consequences and it destroys us from the inside out. And, and those around us, like you said. That's right. Yeah. And to hear God say, I need these words from Ezekiel, because I need to hear the Lord God, Creator God, say, I take no pleasure in the death of the wicked. Yeah. Like, I just, I want someone to come at me. I don't really. um, But I'm just thinking, (laughs) like, come at me saying that the God of the Old Testament is not a God of love. Yeah. That is not true. That is false. Because I take no pleasure. He is urging them, turn Live, live. The steadfast Ugh. patience and endurance. I mean, it's the God of Hosea. It's this the, yes. the God who waits and pursues and pursues yes. again, and doesn't just say repent, but says repent, repent. Like just like please, right. I take no pleasure. Spends like we said, thirty three chapters going like warning, 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 sending right. Ezekiel, sending this young man to be a watchman. And to give right. warning and give these like out loud street theater sign acts to right. beg Israel to pay attention. And mm-hmm. then, you know, verse 17, it says, but your people say the <laughs> Lord's way isn't fair. And then God says in verse 20, I will judge each of you according to his ways, house of Israel. Yeah. This is what we learned about last week, too. Just like the soul that sins is the soul that dies. The soul that repents is the soul that lives. Um, so it's no longer, you know... At this point, we're in the second generation of exiles, and right. they're kind of going like, it's not fair that we're paying for the sins of our parents, and God's going, no, no, you're here because of you right now. That's right. Yeah, yeah. And the rest of verse 17, but your people say the Lord's way isn't fair, even though it is their own way <laughs> that isn't fair. <laughs> yeah, and, yeah. you know, it's easy enough to say, well, if God were truly like all powerful and all loving. It's that age old question, right? Why do bad things happen to good people? You know, that kind of thing. (laughs) Where if God were all powerful and all loving, then how is there suffering in the world? And it's, you know, we can Monday morning quarterback God all we want. But if you even took Rachel, just a like, a tiny microcosm of my life and my justice and fairness, if we want to use that word, and the depths of my love and my goodness. If you just looked at like the way I parent my children for a day, am I trying really hard? Yes, I am. I really, Mm -hmm. really am. Am I always completely all of those things all the time? No, I'm not. And so to say like, how can we even have a basis for which to say the Lord's way isn't fair (laughs) when... (laughs) Our way is so clearly not just unfair, it's just broken. It's just messed up. It's broken. That's a good way to put it. Yeah. 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 Well, we get in this chapter 
the big event, the news of Jerusalem's fall That's comes right. to them. Yeah. Yeah. So this is 586, is that right? Yeah. B.C.? Mm-hmm. And we read in day 22, so last Monday, chapter 24, verses 25 through 27, there's this like, this will happen. A guy's yeah. going to come. And he's going to tell you the bad news. That's right. And then, Amanda, like you said, you'll either listen or you won't. And you'll, yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. And then in verse 21, it says, In the twelfth year of our exile, in the tenth month, on the fifth day of the month, a fugitive from Jerusalem came to me and reported, The city has been taken. Now the hand of the Lord had been on me the evening before the fugitive arrived, and he opened my mouth before the man came to me in the morning. So my mouth was open, and I was no longer mute. It's a very significant moment for Ezekiel. Yeah. yeah. It's like here, this is, it's time. Yeah. I'm also thinking back to last week, Kelly was talking about like he was going to be a priest and then he ended up being a prophet and how like that was unexpected. And I was like, oh, kind of like, I don't know, like this was like a random connection, but I was like, kind of like John the Baptist. Like he oh. was born into a priestly family, but uh-huh. he was born to be a prophet, right? But it's funny to see this and think about that tie as well, that like you're mute until this significant moment. Um, These are probably, I don't know, like these are probably such random connections that maybe aren't meant to be drawn, but like it feels interesting to me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And just the the act of the Lord making a person mute and how that's not a thing that he's only done once, you know? It's not like a willy-nilly. Right. Yeah, yeah. Right. It's pretty significant. And so, yeah, so up until this point, we know that Ezekiel has been mute in so much that he, you know, God said to him, I think in chapter two, you'll be mute because I actually don't want you to advocate for Israel to me. I just need you to listen to what I have to say and say to them what I've said. And so other than that, you don't get to speak your own words, Mm. um, which is a really unique situation for a prophet. Mm Yeah, and then actually further down, Amanda, in that chapter, verse thirty. It's oh, this, this is so like, interesting. Like the Israel's like live uh-huh. reaction to Ezekiel. Read that for us. It's like their Twitter feed. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so verse thirty says, "As for you, son of man, your people are talking about you near the city walls <laughs> and in the doorways of their houses. One person speaks to another, each saying to his brother, Come and hear what the message is that comes from the Lord.'" So my people come to you in crowds, sit in front of you and hear your words, but they don't obey them. Their mouths go on passionately, but their hearts pursue dishonest profit. Mm. Yes, to them, you are like a singer of passionate songs who has a beautiful voice and plays skillfully on an instrument. They hear your words, but they don't obey them. Yet, when all this comes true, and it definitely will... Then they will know that a prophet has been among them. Ooh. I mean, it's like a mic drop from the Lord on Who behalf need of a himself mic? and Ezekiel. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, listen, don't you worry. That's not even like right. That's not even like the message paraphrase. This is the CSB says. Right. Yet when all this comes true, and it definitely will. <laughs> speaking <laughs> I don't I understand that we're giggling but it's out of like a like a holy giggle <laughs> yeah no I'm just in awe of this like a gasp yeah and can, you know what that really be a holy is? giggle is that a thing I mean why not sure sure um yeah, all things are possible with God I <laughs> I think that giggle is like 
I'm so thankful for yeah. The, yeah. the plain speak here, you know, not to yeah. say that God doesn't, like, God doesn't mince words. I'm not accusing the but Lord of But also, he's sometimes very saying, figurative. Right. And it's just so plain. It's just like, I am being very clear. <laughs> and I love that, you know, it doesn't tell us if Ezekiel was worried about how his message would be received. But, I mean, I would be. I'm sure he was. He's the watchman. He's the appointed watchman, and he's trying to keep the ship from running into the cliff. Right. He would like this to be successfully received. It would be nice. And the Lord is just saying, yeah, I mean, they're talking about you right now. Like, this is, they're all going to listen. They're going to hear, rather, Mm -hmm. but they're not going to listen and obey. Like, they're going to hear your words. It's like Ezekiel's ratings are up. Like, they're like, yeah, like... (laughs) We're into him. Like, what a cool guy. But right. like you said, they're hearing him and not listening. Like, but they don't really believe him. I'm curious, like, did that please Ezekiel that they were, like, into him but not actually paying attention? Or was that, like, so frustrating? Right. He's got a lot of Twitter followers. Yeah, but nobody's actually right. taking what he's saying to heart. Right, right. Huh. So uh, many feelings in day one I do have of a lot this of, week. I do have a lot of feelings. I mean, speaking of feelings... Chapter 34, I underlined most of the words. <laughs> yeah. It yeah. just, at this point in the book of Ezekiel, I want to read this, like, yeah. about God. Like, I I need, it's like a, it's an oasis <laughs> yeah. to read about God as shepherd. I think about Lydia Brownback, like, expertly yeah. excavating hope out of some That's of right. the really dark passages in, like, early yep. Ezekiel. Where yep. now we get to this is why it just it's the two of us we don't even we don't need a guest because <laughs> here in chapter thirty four like it's like here it is let me tell you as clearly like yeah. in language that you're familiar with yeah and so now like for the New Testament Bible reader who is who yeah. struggles in the Old Testament sometimes like this is going to be really familiar territory because it's the picture that we know from John ten that's of right God as the shepherd yeah. And this came first. You That's know, right, this, exactly. Yeah, it's so yeah, good. Yeah, I mean, I'm John gonna, 10 is the hearkening to this, more likely. Yeah, that's right. Ezekiel chapter 34 and verse 1 says, The word of the Lord came to me, Son of man, prophesy against the shepherds of Israel. So he's talking about the leaders, you know, mm-hmm. I guess pre like pre-exilic leaders, yeah. yeah. Ooh, pre-exilic. Pre-exilic. Like that. Don't Sounds worry. fancy. Mm-hmm. Son of man, <laughs> prophesy against the shepherds of Israel. Prophesy and say to them, this is what the Lord God says to the shepherds. Woe to the shepherds of Israel who have been feeding themselves. Shouldn't the shepherds feed their flock? You eat the fat, wear the wool, and butcher the fattened animals, but you do not tend the flock. You have not strengthened the weak, healed the sick, bandaged the injured, brought back the strays, or sought the lost. Instead, you have ruled them with violence and cruelty. They were scattered for lack of a shepherd. They became food for all the wild animals when they were scattered. My flock went astray on all the mountains and every high hill. My flock was scattered over the whole face of the earth, and there was no one searching or seeking for them. Gosh. So plain like you were talking about plain speak like this feels like really really clear i also i have to go back to verse four 
Yeah. Because it's like he's giving the anti-definition of what it would mean to be a good shepherd. And so yeah. if you read that in the converse, verse 4, it would say a good shepherd would have strengthened the weak, healed the sick, yeah. bandaged the injured, brought back the strays, sought the lost. Who does that sound like? Yeah, I mean, it's Jesus. And that's how we, you know, it reminds me of whatever you do for the least of these you've done yeah. for me. And where he, he tells us that list yeah. of, I was hungry and you gave me food to eat, and thirsty and you gave me a drink, you know, naked and you clothed me. Yeah. And so this is what Jesus did. And, and not only are they not doing those things, there's like a carelessness. And yeah. it's not like well, you could have been a better shepherd to my flock. It's, you're not even doing the basic. Of yeah, keeping them together. They're scattered. Like I, they're all over the place now, you know. And all that imagery and throughout the Old Testament of how God will gather His people. Okay, keep reading for us because I just love this chapter. Will you read yeah. ten through sixteen for us too? Oh, it's so good. This is what the Lord God says. Look, I am against the shepherds. I will demand my flock from them and prevent them from shepherding the flock. The shepherds will no longer feed themselves, for I will rescue my flock from their mouths so that they will not be food for them. I mean, they're going, they're going to eat the flock. Like, I will rescue my sheep from the shepherds. Because they're devouring them. Verse 11, for this is what the Lord God says. See, I myself will search Mm -hmm. for my flock and look for them. As a shepherd looks for his sheep on the day he is among his scattered flock, so I will look for my flock. I will rescue them from all the places where they have been scattered on a day of clouds and total darkness. Pausing, because I forgot to say before you started reading, listen to how many I wills there are in this. Oh, yes. They're just like, like confetti. So good. Verse 13, I will bring them out from the peoples, gather them from the countries, and bring them to their own soil. I will shepherd them on the mountains of Israel, in the ravines, and in all the inhabited places of the land. I will tend them in good pasture, and their Mm -hmm. grazing place will be on Israel's lofty mountains. There they will lie down in a good grazing place. They will feed in rich pasture on the mountains of Israel. I will tend my flock and let them lie down. This is the declaration of the Lord God. I will seek the lost, bring back the strays, bandage the injured, and strengthen the weak. But I will destroy the fat and the strong. I will shepherd them with justice. Hmm. What passage of scripture was ringing in your head during that one? I mean, John 10. Yeah. And no? oh, Psalm, Psalm 23. 23. Yeah. They oh, will yeah. lie down in a good in grazing place. Yeah. Mm. But man, that verse, verse 16, I will seek the lost. I will bring back yeah. the strays. I will bandage the injured. Ugh. Yes, Lord. Like, mm-hmm. do it. May it be so. Mm. And back to the, like, the divide, like you had, like, talked about the New Testament dividing of the sheep and goats. Uh-huh. You see a little bit of that here, originally here in verse 20. Therefore, this is what the Lord God says to them. See, I myself will judge between the fat sheep and the lean sheep. Like there's that dividing again. This isn't sheep and goats, but there is like this like sorting out. Yeah. Verse 22, I will save my flock. (laughs) They will no longer be prey and I will Mm -hmm. judge between one sheep and another. I will establish over them one shepherd 
And it says here, my servant David, and he will shepherd them. He will tend them himself and will be their shepherd. I, the Lord, will be their God, and my servant David will be a prince among them. I, the Lord, have spoken. Okay, Amanda, talk to us about why it says David there, not Jesus. Well, because, you know, we know that Jesus, he is not just a continuation of David's kingship and dynasty, if you will. He is the fulfillment Mm-hmm. And the, you know, we talk a lot here at She Reads Truth, we'll occasionally say the true and better, like Jesus yeah. is the the true and better David. But and he's like matters. the root and the branch, like the That's root. right. That's right. He's the before and the after of David. That's right. And in the Old Testament, I mean, the Lord is has written a story here. It is important that David is made king and because that is the way that God has told them that the Messiah would come forth. Right. And so this is not, oh wait, David instead of Jesus. No, this is this is still about Jesus. But David's kingship is a key piece of this redemption story. Mm-hmm. And I love it. I love all the covenant talk in this chapter. I will make yeah. a covenant of peace with them. It's just so much of this is the opposite of what we're seeing is the reality that they are currently living. There's something that as we were studying, Rachel, to read Ezekiel together, I was kind of looking up the difference between foretelling and forth telling. Okay, um, yeah. Like for F-O-R-E and forth, F-O-R-T-H, telling. And so foretelling, I think, is what at least for me, that's what I think of when I think about a prophet, like telling what's coming, telling the future. Well, Ezekiel did that, but he also, what he did was forth telling, which is talking about the current reality, the current Mm -hmm. circumstances that they're living in. So he didn't just say, this is what's coming, like the destruction of the temple, for example, or the, you know, the fall of Jerusalem. He wasn't just saying, this is what's coming. He's saying, Right now, there's all of this desolation and corruption and offensiveness. And there's all of this talk about like the detestable acts that they are doing. I mean, there's mention of child sacrifice, of, you know, prostitution at the temple. Like there's all manner of detestable acts. And that these things were current And so when I read this of what the Lord is doing and will do for His people, it is so beyond, like, to say that I will save my people, as it says there in verse 22, I will save my flock. That is such a loaded statement. (laughs) Yeah. Because it is the, it's the undoing of so much that they have done to create this destruction for themselves. And you just think about that even as this the tone shifts, right, in yeah. this book and in Ezekiel's prophecies, what they see with their eyes does yeah. not immediately shift. Like That's there right. has to be like God's going magic. repent, repent, repent. Yeah. <laughs> repent, repent, yeah. repent. Okay. And um with mm-hmm. that, here's the hope that I have for you. It's a long game. And like yeah. there are several points in the long game, and we'll get to some of that this week still. But, but it's not like, and all of a sudden you're going to be in a mm-hmm. green pasture. Like, no, you're still an you'll still be in exile for some time. But 
there's this hope. I also love that through the book of Ezekiel, there's been that refrain, like, then they will know that I am the Lord. And it started, yes. you know, in that first section when he was like casting, like the judgment on Judah so that they would know that uh-huh. he is Lord. And then when it turned to the nations, it was so that they would know that uh-huh. he is Lord. And then here at the end of chapter 34, verse 30, then they will know that I, yeah. the Lord their God, am with them, and that they, the house of Israel, are my people. This is the yeah. declaration of the Lord. You are my flock, the human flock of my pasture, and I am your God. This is the declaration of the Lord. It's a claiming of them. You are mine, and yeah. I am your God. Beautiful. Yes. Amen. Can you read Psalm 23 for us just because we got to hear it? Because I feel Oof. like it's echoing in our ears right now. Yeah. So we have four verses here in this day's reading. Psalm 23, verses 1 through 4. The Lord is my shepherd. I have what I need. He lets me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He renews my life. He leads me along the right paths for his name's sake. Even when I go through the darkest valley, I fear no danger, for you are with me, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Mm. He is a good shepherd. <laughs> it's this beautiful like placing of the book of Ezekiel mm-hmm. in the middle. Like this moment is reminiscent of David's psalm that came before Ezekiel, and then it's fulfilled also in John 10, which John 10, verse 11 through 14 says, I got to read it. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. The hired hand, since it is not the shepherd and doesn't own the sheep, leaves them and runs away when he sees a wolf coming. The wolf then snatches and scatters them. This happens because he's a hired hand and doesn't care about the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my own and my own know me. Praise God. Such a like an intimate belonging. Like it's the way that yeah. chapter 34 concludes. So this yeah. concludes. Like it's just very, yeah. very personal. Yeah. And like Amanda, as we come out of like as we sit, not in, you know, the time of David or the time of Ezekiel or the time of Jesus, but here now, like reading that, like what does that mean? Like when you yeah. read this, like we first read it so that we can just like know what it says. But then, right. like, what is, like, how does reading that, Amanda, like, change the way that you live? Yeah. Well, you know, we just finished a, not just, but not long ago, finished a reading plan called Do Not Fear. That's and right. we really did some work on, like, <laughs> looking at, okay, beyond just saying, don't fear because God tells us not to, <laughs> um, <laughs> but to say, like, okay, but God actually, helps us respond differently to fear because of who he has already established himself to be, who he has shown Mm -hmm. himself to be and who he always is. And so I may not today, my circumstances may not look like um, lying beside quiet waters, (laughs) you know, (laughs) like that's very serene. And, you know, we're at a, a season in life in my home where, we're just, you know, kids are young and it's not a quiet place, but it can still be a place of peace. Yeah. Um, not because of the volume of our home, but because of who God is and mm-hmm. the peace that He has established and invites us into and and gives us, just gives us as a gift yeah. <laughs> through the Holy Spirit. And and so when I read this, 
this is a reality. It's not just a greeting card. It's not just a beautiful scripture print on the wall. That's good, and it can be. But also, this is the reality of living as one of God's flock. That's <laughs> right. having a yeah. shepherd who's good and who knows me and who mm-hmm. has invited me to know him. And that who does is, all of those things that we read about, like binds right. us up and feeds us. And I mean, that's right. And the story that we're reading in the book of Ezekiel is another story of God being a good shepherd. Mm-hmm. And yeah. to read that story, are there dark valleys in the story? Yes. But we need to see those and read those so that we can know <laughs> the lengths to which. Um, we have been rescued and the lengths to yeah. which our God has gone to pursue us and gather us and give us peace. I also think it like challenges me to mm-hmm. be a good lowercase s shepherd. Um, oh, yeah. Like I feel like we're seeing this rebuke of poor shepherding. And, you know, we have all different shapes and sizes of flocks, right? In my case, like I think my flock would be my kids. Um, my flock would be the people that I work with, whatever that is, you know, like there's tending yeah. and then there's like kind of being a co-shepherd, whatever. Like, right. I don't know. My metaphor is going to fall apart. But what I know <laughs> All good is ones that, do at some point. Right. <laughs> uh, but like if God is saying like, hey, y'all are not shepherding with care and I've asked, I've put you over yeah. this flock, I want to go, okay, how can I shepherd with care at the flock that you've put in front of me, whatever it is, whatever yeah. it looks like, doesn't have to be kids, but like whatever it is. How can I be a faithful shepherd? Answer number one is know who the capital S shepherd is and what he does. Like we read the definition and the anti-definition of what a good shepherd does. Mm -hmm. Well, let's start there, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, the shepherding just continues. You know, like you mentioned all the I wills in those chapters. And in chapter 36, where we get more of this restoration language and the picture of the restoration of God's people, of Israel, so many I wills. Like they're more than just twenty. All over the place. Yes. Yeah. I did not count yeah. them, but somebody did. I actually more than did. twenty. You did? I, I went through and circled them and then I counted them just for fun and I saw twenty and it said like and I'm thinking, at oh least I mean, it is at least twenty, because I'm sure I missed some. But yeah, into Ray as we, you know, as we are little Christs, you know, people who are following Jesus, Mm -hmm. seeking to be transformed into the likeness of the Good Shepherd. I mean, this is what God says. I'm just going to pick some verses that, that I underlined as I read, but this is from chapter 36 about Israel's restoration. In verse 9, it says, Look, I am on your side. I will turn toward you, and you will be tilled and sown. I will fill you with people, with the whole house of Israel in its entirety. The cities will be inhabited, and the ruins rebuilt. I will fill you with people and animals, and they will increase and be fruitful. I will make you inhabited as you once were, and make you better off than you were before. Then you will know that I am the Lord. Mm. I mean, can you imagine how difficult that is for them to even fathom? Yeah. 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 Because then he goes down in verse 19, he kind of 
literally describes the exile. He says, I dispersed them among the nations, and they were scattered among the countries. I judged them according to their conduct and actions. We read about this. Like, this is literally Mm -hmm. what we've read so far. When they came to the nations, where they went, they profaned my holy name, because it was said about them, these are the people of the Lord. Yet, they had to leave his land in exile. Then I had concern for my holy name, which the house of Israel profaned among the nations where they went. It's interesting. Like, then you get down a little bit further. It is not for your sake that I will act, house of Israel, but for my holy name. That's where we started in the book of Ezekiel. Yeah. It started with a picture of God's holiness, right? Yeah. And And then further down in verse 25. We get our key verse. We get our key verse. I will cleanse you from all your impurities and all your idols. And then key verse, I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit within you. I will remove your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. I hope y'all are just saying it with us. You've been memorizing this, right? Mm -hmm. I will place my spirit within you and cause you to follow my statutes and carefully observe my ordinances. You will live in the land that I gave your ancestors. You will be my people and I will be your God. Amen. Mm. So, Lord. And then we get this amazing illustration of that in Mm -hmm. chapter 37. If you have only read one chapter of Ezekiel in your life, it's probably chapter 37. Yeah. It is such a treat. I will say, I leading up to this reading with the community, this is, of course, the chapter that I've been most familiar with. And I've always thought it was a little little wacky, right? It's a little strange. I mean, it's... Bizarre. But like reading it now, like it's to me, and we've said all along, if you're going to read the book of Ezekiel, if at all possible, read the whole book, right? Yeah, yeah. And that's not wrong because now coming to chapter 37, I'm going, okay, I've got the history. I know what has led us to this point. I get it. Not I get it, get it, I mean, but like I get it. So powerful. Um, I want to read all of and- it. I know you all are going to love reading this this week, but it's another time. You know, there are these moments in Ezekiel where the Lord, it's, uh, you know, the Lord will just sort of like grab Ezekiel by the hair and take him somewhere and show him some like a vision. Mm -hmm. And so it's sort of one of those moments. It says in verse one, the hand of the Lord was on me and he brought me out by his spirit and set me down in the middle of the valley. It was full of bones. He led me all around them. There were a great many of them on the surface of the valley, and they were very dry. Then he said to me, so this is the Lord asking Ezekiel, son of man, can these bones live? And Ezekiel replied, Lord God, only you know. I'm like, what a good answer. (laughs) I just need to say that more. Good on you, Ezekiel. And he said to me, prophesy. (laughs) Prophesy concerning these bones and say to them, dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. This is what the Lord God says to these bones. They're so significant right there that it's these bones, these dry ones, because I mean, goodness, if this isn't an image for for Israel's state, Mm -hmm. I will cause breath to enter you and you will live. I will put tendons on you, make flesh grow on you, and cover you with skin. I will put breath in you so that you come to life. Then you will know that I am the Lord. Feels like the ultimate one, right? Then There's you'll our know study that I'm title. The Lord. Yep, come, our come to, to life. life study title right there. 
Yeah. Man, I mean, like that breathing on breathing life, like that's Adam, right? We've Ooh. seen that before. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We have as a community twice now, I think, and then again, we're actually coming upon a third approach to a study called This is the Gospel, um, because we really think like it's that's just not a one and done for us. But this feels like the picture of the gospel. Like if there are four stages to the gospel, which is like the creation and the fall and the redemption and the restoration, like that's what happens here. Like there's this like, they come to life like fully, like yeah. In a way that was better than before. Yeah. That's us. Yeah. I mean, that's us in the gospel. Like that true, right. like in the message paraphrase, it says like, so that you will really live, not just live, but that's right. re- truly live. That's right. This, as we walk into Holy Week in a couple of weeks, and we read the story again of Jesus' crucifixion and death and resurrection this life, this taking dead bones and making them alive, is that is the life that Jesus, the work of Jesus makes possible. And that is the invitation. That it's not, you know, we talk about like a wake-up call, like we need a wake-up call or whatever. And and the gospel, like, oh, you don't misunderstand. You don't just need a wake-up call. You need to be resurrected. (laughs) You are dead in your sins, and you need to be brought to life. You need to be given life. And so... That's so good. Yeah. And this is what the Lord does. I will put my spirit in you, and you will live. Verse 14. Mm. Now, here's what happens when Amanda and Rachel record a podcast without a guest. Somehow, like, time gets away from us, <laughs> and we get three days into a five-day week. Here's what I want y'all to know. So many things, listen. Even, like, later in this day, like, there's this final sign act, the reunification of Israel, and it's like Israel takes two sticks and, like, ties them together and shows them what that, like, it's fascinating. Like, please, please read these things. Then we have in day 32, the defeat of Gog, which is a lot of overwhelming. This may be a day where like supplementing with like the devotional on the app is like possibly helpful because it is a little bit, it's a little bit of a tricky one to read. And then on day 33, there's this prophecy of the new temple. Ezekiel at this point is 50 years old and it is going to potentially intimidate you to read this day because it is I mean, it's kind of a slog. Like, we used that word earlier in this episode, but like, this is a lot of like, and then it'll be this long and this wide and la la. Why do we read Ezekiel chapter 40? Because this is what it teaches us about God. He cares about order, He cares about design and detail. And you were created by a God of order. And this demonstrates His care and attention to detail. And his presence is returning yeah. to them. You know, like there's, yeah. we started the book of Ezekiel where Ezekiel is so stunned to see a vision of God's glory outside of the temple, outside of Jerusalem even. In in Babylon, he sees this vision of God's glory. And there's a moment that we've already read in this study where God's glory departs the temple and departs Jerusalem. And this is, this is preparation that God is returning to dwell with His people in their land. And so it is no small thing. It is it is a very significant thing yeah. to be given a tour of the new temple. <laughs> yeah, and especially because we, as a community, 
are just a hop, skip, and a jump away from Holy Week. And we're going to yeah. read about Jesus in the temple. And so I think that like, as we get to enter that in two weeks, like I'm excited to have this context to point back to. I think that'll feel really special. Here's Love what I want to say to y'all, because I know we need to wrap, but like this, as I was like preparing for this episode, like my heart for y'all, I know we've talked a lot about Lent, of course, here in this season of Lent, and even about fasting and things like that. And something that you guys know, because we say it probably every week, is that our hope in creating these episodes of the Sherry Truth podcast is that you it would compel you to be a woman or man in the Word of God every day this week. And like the reality is that we have an opportunity to feast every single day on God's Word. And yet sometimes we voluntarily fast. We can fast for a day. We can fast for a whole week. We can fast for months or years. But we're, it's like a self-inflicted famine that we're creating for our bodies and our souls and our relationship with the Lord. And so I want, as we're having these conversations about fasting and feasting, I want y'all to think about God's Word this week in those terms. I want you to feast on it every day because you're not in a famine. You have access to God's Word. If you have access to my voice right now, you have access to God's Word. I want to be a woman who lives like that. And I want to encourage yeah. y'all as you go into the week to be men and women who live like you have access to the feast every single day. I would love to, Amanda, close with from day 31, there's this beautiful section of Hosea chapter 6. Will you read it for us? It feels like like a beautiful benediction to today. Would you read it for us? Yeah, I would love to. I love, love, love this passage. It's Hosea 6. One through three, the title of the section here in the CSB is A Call to Repentance. Come, let us return to the Lord, for He has torn us, and He will heal us. He has wounded us, and He will bind up our wounds. He will revive us after two days, and on the third day He will raise us up so we can live in His presence. Let's strive to know the Lord. His appearance is as sure as the dawn. He will come to us like the rain, like the spring showers that water the land. Hmm. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. I love that verse three. Let's strive to know the Lord. That's what we're doing here. We're not striving to be perfect Bible readers. We're striving to know the Lord. I love that. Well, friends, we are at the end of this episode Y'all know we'll be back next week for our final week of the book of Ezekiel, week six of the seven-week Lent study, and we are going to be joined by Dr. Danny Hayes. He is a returning Yay. guest. We're excited to have him back um, and just like get his like brain on the book of Ezekiel. I'm excited for that conversation. And then, Amanda, it's you get to say it, which you never, I don't <gasps> think, have ever gotten to say it. Until next week. I know. Until next week. What do we tell our friends? Keep opening your Bibles.